Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast because I would never, ever do that to the loyal listeners. A lot of you have been with us, what, 10 years now? which is just incredible. Thank all of you so much. Please tell your friends and family. In fact, your friends and family probably already know that you listen to me and listen to us. So maybe tell people that aren't friends or family. Maybe tell your colleagues. I don't know. Can't wait to get some wisdom today from my former coach in the NFL with both the Cowboys, who gave me my first start, as well as the Buffalo Bills. He's currently at Nebraska. His name is Frank Verducci. We'll get to Frank momentarily. I should mention, I don't know if I already said we're presented by DraftKings, but I need to. In fact, I'm contractually obligated to. Every episode is presented by DraftKings. Love those dudes. Just like I love each and every one of you that somehow, some way, contributes to what we're trying to build here in your own little fashion. Some of you spread the word via social media, you like or you retweet or you share on Facebook or you do something on TikTok. Maybe that's just a like too. Whatever it is, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. The five-star reviews mean a great deal. Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Whatever it is that you do, it is greatly appreciated. Same with the sponsor confirmation email winners. Not a lot of sponsors this week, but you can always go to RossTucker.com and see all of them and take advantage of the specific code designed for you. Then we've got the YouTube shout-out winners. I love this. I love doing the videos for you guys that want a YouTube video. YouTube.com slash NFL. Please subscribe, even if you're not a big YouTube person or if you know someone that is, tell them to subscribe. And then if you make any comment, I see it, and you get a cameo-style shout-out from me, which is pretty awesome. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. As promised, now joined by my favorite coach I had in the NFL. And I had nine offensive line coaches, by the way, which is almost mathematically impossible if you play seven years the senior offensive analyst at the University of Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, 
Uh, my good friend now, now that I'm 42, 20 years after I met him, Frank Verducci. Frank, uh, Coach, thanks so much for coming on. Good, great to see you, Ross. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, uh, uh, so much I want to get into with you. But it's funny because it was, you know, I guess almost 21 years ago now right. that I first met you. Uh, and I, I don't want to give anything away. So I want to know what you remember of the first time we met each other. Well, I remember we were on the campus of Princeton, and uh, I had a very good relationship with your agent, Joe Linta, and went down to work out you and a couple of uh, couple other players on the Princeton team. And uh, a couple of them were more heralded, but once the workout started, it became evident to me that you were wired differently uh, than most of the young men I worked out for the draft. And we would go through a, a drill and then as soon as it was over, you would, first of all, before it ever started, you wanted all the details, which was impressive. But then when it was over, you always wanted to do it again. Hey, I, I can do it better. Let me try it again. And uh, that attitude stuck with me, besides the fact that you performed very well. So that's, um, that's really interesting because you've never told me that before. I, you know, I thought, Frank... For all I knew, you were coming to work out Dennis Norman, who was three-time All-Ivy League, a physical phenom, ended up playing nine years in the NFL, uh, was a combine guy, you know, got drafted, all that stuff, got drafted by the Seahawks. I, I, I envisioned that you were really there to work him out and that John Ravachet, my roommate and teammate, and me were were kind of there as well. I didn't know, I don't think, ahead of time that you knew that much about me. Well, again, credit credit to Joe, your agent, uh, asked me if I was headed out to Princeton, and he asked me to be sure to give you a, a, a thorough evaluation. So I knew who you were when I came in. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was – that was really one of the most enjoyable workouts I had because all three of you, uh, you know, really put forth an incredible effort. But it was it was interesting. John and yourself really made the lasting impression. I mean, you were all uh, athletic, big, strong guys, but both of you just you could see that competitive spirit uh, with both you and John. Well, I remember whatever drills we were doing. I was beating the crap out of Dennis and he was starting to get mad. And I'm thinking, dude, you're getting drafted. <laughs> like, like we can be friends later. Like, you know, I, you know I, he was looking at me like, but he knew the way I was. I mean, he knew that that's, that's how I rolled. Um, do you remember anything about my attire at the workout? Oh God. You, can you imagine how many people I've worked out in, in 10 years in the NFL? I, I don't. I mean, I, I have to admit, I remember your workout. I remember the facility, all that. But I I can't tell you that I, I have that kind of recall. This, this is going to be fun. Do you remember uh, that it was videoed? That I video that I had someone video the workout? No, I wasn't. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So I had Joe told me. Because I only got two workouts, Mike Tice and you. 
We're okay. the only two guys that, and Mike Tice at the time was the O line coach for the Vikings. But Mike Tice and you were the only two offensive line coaches that came to Princeton to work us out. And Joe told me video the workout with Frank, and you we can send that to teams. So this is gonna, Frank, you're gonna love this. Okay. So first of all, I went shirtless for the workout with you. I, I, I went shirtless and in part because I wanted to like look better for the scouts, but also because I was videoing it. I'm 310, 315. I, I went fake tanning a couple of times. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. So, thank, thank goodness you kept that to yourself. So that, I had so a little cool. bit of like a red tint. I just thought, Dude, I was pulling out all the stops, man. I just wanted I wanted to look better. Like, I wanted to look better than my shirt off. So here's why that's funny. So that's number one. Number two, the guy that videoed it was a guy that you are probably very familiar with now. Because he's on NFL Network every morning, Kyle Brandt. No kidding. Wow. Kyle Brandt is the guy that videoed that workout. And by the way, I returned the favor videoing his audition tape for the real world, and we both made it. I made the NFL. He made the real world. So uh, we were roommates, and I said, Kyle, because I knew he had a background in theater and drama and whatever. I was like, can you film this workout? He was like, yeah. So he came down to Jadwin Gym, and he filmed the workout. Uh, we sent that, I sent that to the teams that Joe Linton, my agent told me to send it to Frank. Right. And I'll never forget. I ended up getting signed. Well, two things. One is I ended up getting signed by Washington. Right. Joe Pendry was the offensive line coach. The late, great Tony Sperano, who also had a relationship with Joe Linta was the tight end coach and assistant offensive line coach. And at one point, Tony said to me, at the end of the draft, when they were figuring out who to sign as undrafted free agents, they remembered that the Ivy League guy sent them the video with his shirt off. And they're like, get him. Get yeah. the Ivy League guy that sent the video with no shirt on. You never know what's going to tip the scale. Credit to you for pulling out all the stops. So funny. And uh, so I remember that distinctly. The other thing I remember, Frank, is I got two calls the entire NFL draft. Two calls the whole draft. And I sat there. I had I had just gotten my first cell phone a month earlier. I had my dorm phone. I, I had it all lined up. I got called by you. And at some point, I got called by John Garrett, who was also That's on the Bengals staff at that point. I can't remember... Which one was which? One of you called me like in the first round. The other one called me in the second day. Uh, but you both said that there was some interest in potentially signing me after the draft if I wasn't drafted. But I just think, remember, I only ever got two calls. They're both in the Bengals. And Frank, back then, the Bengals were like the team you absolutely did not want to go to. Siberia. They had been terrible. For yeah. 10 years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would imagine that I called you the second day because usually you start to prioritize 
the undrafted free agents on the second day. John, it might have been a Princeton thing with you and him calling you on the first day. Uh, but that that's the most likely scenario. Okay, so uh, by the way, to my knowledge, I don't know if you guys ever did try to get me after the draft. I don't know if that actually ended up happening. No, um, we, we didn't. Uh, as I recall, we had some other guys that we prioritized that, that Paul liked a little bit more and uh, went in that direction. And, we, and as I recall, we had drafted a guard. That's right. Uh, I believe it was Victor Leva in the fourth Victor round. Victor Leva from Arizona State. That's right. How about that? How about my brain there? All right. So what people don't know, though, is the next year, Frank became the offensive line coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Midway through the year, Washington soured on me. They signed Trey Johnson. Terrible fit for Spurrier's offense, but they re-signed Trey Johnson. They cut me to try to put me down the practice squad. And I knew some teams were going to try to get me on practice squad like Marty Schottenheimer with the San Diego Chargers. But it just so happened, Frank, that you were the offensive line coach in Dallas and you guys had suffered an inordinate amount of injuries. And probably unless it was those two things, unless it was you, Frank, and the amount of injuries, I probably don't get picked up on waivers by the Cowboys. What do you remember about that? Well, I would I would correct you. You were going to be picked up by the Dallas Cowboys. I remember being very excited uh, when I saw you go on the waiver wire. Uh, part of a thing in the NFL, and, and you know this, but your listeners might not uh, be aware of it, is when coaches travel from team to team, they like to have somebody uh, that they're familiar with and that they feel like uh, – will have their back. Basically, you call them their guys. And after I had worked you out and I saw you'd been good enough to make the Redskins, which didn't surprise me, uh, as you said, we were going through a transition in Dallas. And we we set an NFL record that year. We had 15 different offensive line starters that year, including yourself, obviously. And I think nine of those started their first NFL game over the course of that season. It was just a fluky year. But I remember being excited when when you uh, when you got waived. I went right to Mr. Jones and said, "This is a guy we really need to have." And the thing I remember more than anything else is I was shocked the next day when we were the only team that claimed you for the active roster. And I thought it would be a battle to see, you know, if somebody below us claimed you, we'd obviously lose you. But I remember just being very surprised that we were the only team to claim you, but also very excited to have you coming into Dallas. Well, so I, I got there, and obviously you suffered another injury. The offensive line did. I ended up starting the last seven games that year. Uh, I'll never forget any of it. I mean, my first start at Indianapolis against the Colts, and I can't, I think you might have written me a letter or something or just said, you know, I'm thrilled for you. It's an awesome opportunity tomorrow. You knew how big a deal that was to be starting a game in the NFL. By the way, the RCA Dome, that was that's a rough place to start your first <laughs> NFL regular season game. I mean, it was loud or whatever. But then after that, Jacksonville, we won. I played well. Washington, Thanksgiving, we won. I played well. We were getting the run game going. Um, you know, and then obviously Frank ended up coaching me in Buffalo as well. 
in 2004, which was an, another really good year for me. Actually, those are probably my two best years, 02 and 04. How would you describe me, Frank? Uh, most of the people that are listening have or watching on YouTube, they've been listening to me for like 10 plus years. How would you describe me as a player uh, from, from a coaching perspective? Okay, well, first I, I want to say that that's something, the letter to you is something that I've done my whole career. Uh, if, if, you, if you had it, it still had it, it would probably be on the back of a test or a tip sheet that I handed out the night before the game. Then you'd hand your test in, and then for every offensive lineman, I would always write them a note and put it in their locker, the test corrected, and put the note in their locker uh, prior to the game. And I just always – that was my show of appreciation – and it was uh, it was me just giving the personal touch that it was more than just business. So, and I'm, it means more than you know. Yeah, I mean, no, it means a great deal. No, I have I have players that I coached thirty years ago, and they they still mention that. So I'm I'm very proud of that. But you know, the NFL is is obviously like any pro sport, a talent driven league, and sometimes that talent is uh, the pursuit of talent becomes a little bit intoxicating. Now, I mean this as a sincere compliment. You were not the most talented guy. You were a guy that the, the label I would put on you is you're an achiever. You're an achiever in everything you've ever taken on, whether it was overcoming the odds to get to the Ivy League and play college football and get a degree from Princeton, whether it was turning over every stone, as you just described, in maximizing your workout to create an opportunity to get into the NFL, whatever it is, you were going to think it through, uh, carve a path to follow, and then you were going to persevere and endure whatever it took to reach your goal. And now it's the same thing in, in your media career. I mean, you, you've started from, I mean, you're not a big name former pro celebrity who all the doors get open to at the end of your, at the end of your playing career, but look at what you've achieved. And, and, and I'm the least surprised guy in the world. You are an achiever and you're a very bright guy. And top of the list is you loved football. You would play football all day. You, if you'd be the player association's worst enemy, because you'd say, Hey, <laughs> why, why are there any hourly rules? I want to be in the facility all day long. I want to practice all day long. I still uh, tell and give people you had a a sheet of every possible pass set you could take in every protection against every possible alignment and you would you had it memorized at first you had it on a piece of paper but you had it memorized 152 protection uh, three technique two technique inside shade and you you just drilled that footwork that you made yourself good enough to be a starting lineman in the NFL now, were there more talented guys? Yes. But the percentage of talented guys who underachieved versus guys like you that overachieved, you know, my, my dollar was on a guy like you all the time. If I was putting my paycheck and my mortgage on the line, I wanted you lining up because I knew you were going to, first of all, you were never going to bust an assignment. Secondly, you're going to compete until the, until the game ended. And thirdly, you're going to find a way to get it done. I mean, I still remember Bryant Young wanting to kill you because you were you were uh, one of the all time best cut blockers during my career, and you were painting you were painting the ass. You got under people's skin, which 
bottom line is you're you're trying to uh, achieve that edge to move the ball and obviously score points and win football games. So you, you have a special place uh, in my memories just because of how important it was to you and uh, your work ethic. You know, um, it's so cool, Frank, because I don't think I'd even be doing this show if it wasn't for you. Like oh, I, you, I doubt you, that. You, you would have found me in a, no. I don't know what I would have gotten into. You gave me an opportunity and to to be on an active roster, stay on an active roster, and then start some games, which enabled me to, when, when Parcells cut me, go to Buffalo. If I don't start those games in Dallas, I don't think I get picked up on waivers by Buffalo, which got me a few more years in the contract extension and, you know, the chance to play there. And obviously you 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 were my coach then again in 04 in Buffalo, and you saw how that season went. I think we were 9-4 and four in the 13 games I started. So uh, very cool that you can be uh, – and I can honestly say that you changed my life for the better. I guess that brings up my next question, Frank. Compare NFL to college. You know, from an offensive line coaching perspective, um, you know, our listeners, I don't know if I've ever had anybody on the show before that I've asked them that. What would – what would you say the biggest differences are between the NFL and college from your perspective? And is there one that you prefer? Well, the, the simplest way to put it, the easiest way for the listeners to understand is that it's details versus development. You know, in the NFL, it's all in the details. People, the college players, their eyes get big when I tell them there are no blown assignments in the NFL. I mean, if you have a blown assignment in a game, it is a big deal. Uh, in college football, I mean, you're going to have seven, eight blown assignments over the course of a game, you know, spread across those five starters. The NFL, even though there is a, a developmental squad, practice squad, it's not about development. I mean, you have to have a certain minimum level of uh, skill set in order to be on an active roster, even to be on a practice squad. And uh, there isn't much time for development. The coaches are obviously uh, engulfed in in the game plan and getting the starters ready and practice reflects that. You think back to how few snaps uh, the backups get and usually they're running somebody else's offense. So there's really not that developmental aspect. I, I really think that in the past five years in the NFL, the lack of contact has hurt the development of offensive linemen in particular. Uh, the lack of a uh, of a league funneling players into a developmental league has hurt the overall skill set of the league, in my opinion. And uh, that would be the biggest difference. I enjoy both because in the NFL, I had guys like you and some of your other teammates who I could relate to man to man and maybe mentor a little bit, especially the younger guys. But I probably learned as much as I taught from people like you. In college, I think you have a more of an impact because you have these 18, 19 year old men who most of them are away from home for the first time. And, and you recall your acclimation when you left uh, Pennsylvania and went down to Princeton and and the adjustments that you had to make. And and I think sometimes that's very underappreciated. We look at the player and we say this kid's a four star. He's going to come in and contribute right away. And we never really take into account the acclimation 
of going from high school to college or college to pros? Because you saw in your own career, you saw guys who are plenty talented, but they just couldn't acclimate to the grind and the, comp- the competitive level of the NFL. They, they just didn't have the wiring to succeed. So I enjoy both for their different aspects. It's still, I mean, bottom line, it's all football and it's all people and relating to people. So it's a little long-winded, but that would be my take on it. Yeah, I guess my last comment would just be, I feel like it'd be really hard and frustrating to go from the NFL where there are no mental mistakes, or if you do, you're just cut, they're not accepted, to college where they're more accepted. I feel like that'd be difficult. I feel like I would, if I was, I'm putting myself in your shoes now as a coach, I'm in the NFL for a while, I go to college, I would have a tough time accepting those seven, eight mental errors. Not that you did, but that would just really, really bother me. Well, I had, I had started as a college coach. So again, it was an eye opener when I went to Cincinnati and, you know, Paul, Paul Alexander's telling me there are no mental errors. And you don't see many people who are uh, NFL line coaches, their whole career go back to college. You know, so you really don't see that all that often. It's more common path to go from college to the NFL and back than it is to be strictly NFL and then go down to college. I, I, I agree with your point. I believe it would be pretty frustrating. This was everything I hoped it would be. I love it. You told me some things I didn't even know about my own life and career, and I did the same with you with the workout. Again, Frank Verducci, my favorite coach in the NFL, coached me in Dallas and in Buffalo. Again, senior offensive analyst for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Frank, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Ross. So cool to talk to someone like that that has had such a profound and big impact on my life. And you think about it, it's the people that you keep in touch with after things like that, after college, after you're with an NFL team. Those are the people that really matter, right? Those are the relationships that have stood the test of time. And that's exactly what I think about when I think about Frank Verducci. Glad we had the time to be able to get him on the show. Such an awesome man, great coach. And really, I think anybody that ever played for him feels that way, which is cool. I mean, that's like the cool part, I think, about being a coach is the fact that he and I are still friends. He's still a mentor of mine. He's still a coach in different aspects of life. And, you know, he's still someone that I look up to and I appreciate the opportunities he gave me. And I, obviously he appreciates that I gave everything I had for him, which is awesome. Appreciate those of you that give everything you have for us, like patreon.com slash RT Media, including the I Think We're Done Here members. I get a shout-out for their biz at the end of every show, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, humanheadnyc.com, steakhousesports.com, go-bangles.com, and Evergreen Economics. Make sure you check out today's Fantasy Feast podcast. I am doing my offensive line rankings. So, yes, we do it on the fantasy show, but I know those of you that love football, which is all of you, would absolutely love to hear my fantasy – forget fantasy – to hear my 
NFL O-line rankings part one on today's Fantasy Feast podcast. Tomorrow is an annual episode, annual episode with Chris Nowinski from the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Once a year, I have him on to get the latest and greatest with what's going on with CT and what we know about brain issues for people that play a lot of football. It's relevant to me. It's relevant to all the guys you watch on TV. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.